Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle with Ellie Danker and Ryan Huang. It's time now for the bigger picture. And we're looking at the U.S. core inflation that has showed signs of slowing down. So if you think about it, the Fed's got a little bit of breathing room before it announces its rate hikes tomorrow morning. That's right. So the November CPI reading came in at 7.1%. That is lower than the consensus forecast of 7.3% and also lower than the prior month's reading of 7.7%. So that is the lowest levels in nearly a year and this is where the Fed comes in to think about maybe they don't have to hike rates as aggressively as before because it seems like what's been playing out in the past few meetings and rate hikes seems to be making some progress and moving the needle when it comes to inflation. Let's unpack it with Eddie Lowe. He is the chief Investment Officer for Maybank Group Wealth Management. Morning, Eddie. How are you doing today? Good morning, Ryan. Eddie, let's uh, talk about the CPI numbers. Of course, Mm -hmm. this is in the lead-up to tomorrow's FMC meeting where we are watching out to see what the Mm -hmm. rate hike magnitude is going to be and, of course, the trajectory. With the CPI numbers, it seems like on one hand, it appears to be moderating, but it is still quite elevated at above 7%. What do you take away from the latest reading? Yeah, exactly. You know, on one hand, inflation data definitely encouraging. And this is actually the second consecutive month that inflation came in below expectations, be it on the headline CPI or be it on the core CPI. But as you rightly pointed out, CPI at more than 7% is still high by historical standards. And we see, you know, the decline is really mainly due to food and energy, lower food and energy causes costs. Your shelter costs remains elevated and even the decline in healthcare costs in this data set of numbers looks unsustainable given the mounting cost pressures in the healthcare system. And not forgetting, you know, US health labor market is still very healthy and that's going to drive higher wages and consequently inflation. Mm. So, you know, while inflation may very well have peaked, I think it will take time to normalize. And I don't think the Fed will be ready to declare victory anytime soon. All right, let's talk about what's going to be happening tomorrow, which mm-hmm. is the rate decision. So how much will the latest data point move the needle when it comes to the expectations of what it might do? Because it did come in cooler than expected. And mm-hmm. it seems like markets are hoping or at least expecting to some extent that the Fed might not need to do as much. I think the Fed is just going to continue or proceed with a 50 basis point right hike in the coming meeting, right? But what we are really looking out for is their economic projections as well as dot plot because they provide insights into the central bank's monetary policy trajectory and whether it can really indeed uh, engineer a soft landing. So to recall, I think the Fed was projecting U.S. to grow about 1.7% in 2023 and dot plot suggesting a terminal rate of 4.6% in the September meeting. I think they are likely to raise a terminal rate closer to 5%. I think the tone of Powell's comments during the you know conference meeting will also be critical. If it's sounding a little bit more hawkish than usual, I think that will negatively impact the market again. So overall, I think our expectation is for Fed to maintain a pretty restrictive monetary policy for a while. Yeah, some reports have the Fed possibly looking at 0.25% in the February meeting. So we'll see how that plays out. So with this in the backdrop, Eddie, how mm-hmm. is this going to inform your approach towards investing in markets these days? You know, there's also that prospect of a potential hard landing, a recession in some corners. In fact, this morning, New Zealand is saying next year they will likely see a recession. So with that mm-hmm. in the backdrop, how are you approaching 2023? Well, I think, you know, apart from inflation, we continue to see downside risks to corporate earnings and growth. 
And on top of that, um, this tightening liquidity conditions with higher interest rates, I think that is actually increasing the risk of financial instability. And in the meantime, geopolitical tensions continue to linger. So, you know, given the many uncertainties, we are actually starting the year uh, with a defensive stance in our asset allocation. So we prefer to maintain that cash buffer really to protect the portfolio against uh, drawdowns. And we also see better risk reward in fixed income, particularly mm-hmm. U.S. Treasuries and IG bonds or investment-grade bonds versus equities. And just notably, we actually recently downgraded U.S. equities because, alongside European equities because we felt that the recent inbound in U.S. stocks is not sustainable given the fact that valuations are already above historical average levels and earnings, I think, are prone to further downside revision. Yeah, Eddie, that's an interesting point. Downgrading U.S. to underweight alongside mm-hmm. Europe and India. Where does this leave China? Because we are seeing the easing of restrictions. Some people are saying that's yes. going to be great news as we see revenge travel and revenge spending. But on the other hand, we've got the likes of IMF saying, no, as it eases up, we will see more infections. And that might actually cause a slowdown in the economy because people will just be infected and can't work anymore. Yeah, I think IMF is do agree with IMF to a certain extent. I think if you look at China, definitely I think the development has been very encouraging when it comes to uh, easing of COVID restrictions, when it comes to supportive measures for the property sector, right? But the process, recovery process could be bumpy. And as IMF pointed out, the reopening will likely lead to a resurgence of COVID cases that may overload the healthcare system. And in addition, I think people are actually getting, you know, becoming afraid of getting infected. Uh, so actually, quite a number of them are staying at home instead of going out. So a friend of mine just came back from Beijing recently. And he said the streets are actually not too crowded despite the relaxation of measures. So I think it will take a while for everyone to regain confidence for the situation to normalize. So, so we are staying neutral on China for now, but looking for the opportunity to turn more constructive on the markets. Okay, what will it take for you to turn more constructive? What are the indicators you're watching out for mm-hmm. before you get more confident about going back into China? I think we need to see really uh, that uh, China can handle that resurgence in cases like what we have seen in Singapore, where we, we don't roll back too much of the relaxation of measures. At the same time, we are actually watching the external environment because if we do expect U.S. stocks to actually come off, say about 15% from the current levels, I think that's not going to help Chinese equities, especially on offshore market too much. So I think we do really need to see further adjustments in the U.S. market as well in order for us actually to turn more constructive on overall equities, including China. Mm, and you are turning your attention to Southeast Asia as your preference mm-hmm. for next year. Walk us through this thinking. Well, I think we do retain our preference for Southeast Asia, especially the likes of Indonesia and increasingly Malaysia. Uh, if you look at Southeast Asia, yes, I think they are actually vulnerable to a slowdown in external demand, but intra-ASEAN trade is actually improving by 30%, according to our economists, and that is actually helping that cush- to cushion the slump in exports to other parts of the world. And on top of that, the region is also witnessing rising FDI as companies look to diversify their manufacturing supply chain. And on top of that, we are still seeing some benefits from the reopening tailwinds. And should China reopen faster than expected, I think the expected increase in trade and tourist arrival, I think that should work well for ASEAN region, including Singapore. Yeah, that's a very good point. Diversification of those supply chains uh, that's been playing out in the past few years. We've been sharing Eddie mm-hmm. Lowe. He is the CIO for Maybank Group Wealth Management. Eddie, thanks as always for your time and happy holidays. Oh, yeah, you too. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.
To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.